This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome on in Phillies Today podcast. I am your host, Dan Wilson, recapping, well, on a night where the Phillies lost at the hands of the Miami Marlins 8-4. It was game two of a three-game series. The day after the Phillies beat up on the Miami Marlins 15-3 with a Cy Young Award winner on the mound. They come back on Tuesday and they lose this game 8-4. to four. And this game was not lost uh, because the Miami Marlins were, quote-unquote, just the better team on a given day or because the bats just went silent. No. This game was lost because the Phillies beat themselves. I mean, they just flat-out beat themselves. They've been beating themselves a lot this season. I, I want to get into a lot from this game, uh, a number of takeaways. Aaron Nola did not go deep enough into the game for my liking. The Phillies beat themselves up with more mental mistakes. Uh, we saw an interesting lineup change on Tuesday that apparently is going to get reversed back on Wednesday uh, and just talk about the overall state of the team and the state of this homestand. But I do want to begin uh, with those mental mistakes and the idea that the Phillies have beat up on themselves uh, a number of times this year. And, and in case you missed it or as many people I'm sure saw uh, watching the game there on Tuesday night, uh, there's a, there's a situation in the sixth inning where Bryson Stott well, the entire inning, I should say, where the the Marlins took a 4 nothing lead. They, they were up one nothing after the third, and they dropped three runs uh, in the top of the sixth on Aaron Noll. We'll get to him in just a little bit. And the Phillies are down four. The Phillies are down 4 nothing, and the bats hadn't been alive all night long. They did end the game with 11 hits, so it wasn't like the offense was silent all night long. But in terms of a scoring output through the first five innings, the Phillies had not scored a singular run. And they find themselves down 4 to nothing. And they're up in the bottom of the sixth, and the inning starts out with a Kyle Schwarber home run. Like that, That's how the inning leads off, and the old adage is that the home run's the rally killer. Well, in this case, it wasn't. This, it was a rally starter, uh, if you will. Kyle Schwarber hits a home run. That's out of the way. So now it's 4-1. Romito grounds out. But then you get more traffic on the bases. Castiano singles to center. Boehm pops out. Josh Harrison, who was starting in left field in this game, uh, Schwarber was the DH, Singles to left center field. Castellanos gets to second base. Edmundo Sosa is hit by the pitch. And that loads the bases for Bryson Stott. And Bryson Stott's been the hottest hitter on this team to start the year. He extended his hitting streak uh, on Tuesday night to 11 games here to start the season. Comes up with the bases loaded. Kyle Schwerber already with a run in the inning. And it's amazing because the entire... I was at the ballpark again on Tuesday night. The entire ballpark stood. Like everyone knew how big of a bat is this is. Bryson Stott's at-bats have been highly anticipated here uh, to begin the year, despite the fact that he was batting in the eighth hole on Tuesday night as opposed to the leadoff spot. Again, we will get to that uh, a little bit later on in the show here. But he comes up, bases loaded, 
and you can feel the game and the balance. And this guy has been really, really good with the bat all season long. And Citizens Bank Park goes nuts because he rips a ball into left center field, scores two runs, and immediately at that moment, as that ball dropped and two runners are being waved in by Dusty Wathen, I thought to myself, the Phillies are going to come back and win this game. Like They're about to eliminate this entire deficit. They're going to tie the game up right here, and we're going to be new ball game into the bullpens, and the Phillies are going to find a way. This is where they actually turn the season around. Like They won two or three against the Reds, and they beat themselves on Sunday against the Reds with nine walks and like four different mistakes on the bases. Except for the fact that I thought this all to myself in a very short period of time before the play was even over. Bryson Stott takes too wide of a turnaround first base. The throw from left field to Gene Segura at third base, and Segura backpicks his former, uh, you know, I guess double play tandem, his double play partner, I should say, the double play tandem of Segura and Stott from last year, his former partner in the in the infield, in the Phillies infield, when Gene Segura played here last season. He backpicks Bryson Stott, and that ends the inning. And for those of you counting at home, that is now eight different guys thrown on the bases this year by the for the Philadelphia Phillies in only 11 games. Like, the Phillies are nearly averaging a base-running mistake per game. And this one was totally unforced. It's just Stott went way too far. It looked like he thought the throw uh, was going to go through to home plate, and he was already halfway to second base. It's Major League Baseball. This kind of thing cannot happen. Guys who play at the Major League level have been playing baseball their entire lives. Like, their entire lives. And these are the best baseball players in the world. And baseball is a mental game. It's not just about how far you can hit it or how hard you can throw it or how good your curveball is or whatever physical tool. Like, baseball, all sports are mental, right? But baseball especially, it's situational. It's what do I throw here? What kind? Of, what should be my approach here? How to base run? Like the fundamentals of the game are rooted in knowing the situation and mental and like knowing the game around you. And Bryson Stott in this particular case, or Kyle Schwarber, or Nick Castellanos, or Brandon Marsh the other day, have been costing the Phillies left and right. And this is the same type of stuff we've been seeing for years with this team. Like this isn't actually something new. We used to kill, when the Phillies were under Joe Girardi, you remember a number of instances, one where Jose Alvarado got a ground ball with the bases loaded and didn't know what base to go to. Should he try and turn two? Should he try and go home? Got caught in between. One where, you know, fundamental defense didn't seem like it was a priority. Like the teams of the past didn't seem like fundamental defense was a priority. Bryce Harper's no exception to this rule. He's not uh, on the active roster as of this moment, but he has run into countless outs over the years since he's been in a Phillies uniform. Fundamental mental mistakes at the level of Major League Baseball win and lose games. And it's as big of a reason as any here in the early going why the Phillies have struggled and why the Phillies as of right now are four and seven instead of five and six or six and, you know, have six or seven wins, maybe even above 500. They gave away a game the other day on Sunday with, you know, walks, which is just unforced errors and pitching out of the zone and the inability to throw strikes, but a number of base running errors too. Beating yourselves. And then again, in this situation, I'm not telling you Christian Pache would would or would not have gotten a hit. And we'll get to the lineup construction a little bit later uh, here in a second. I'm not telling you he would or wouldn't have gotten a hit. He had a double in this game. He got pulled ultimately uh, for the the other side of the platoon and Brandon Marsh because 
Uh, Jesus Lazardo started as a lefty, and then you know they switch over to a righty. So that is more, you know, that more inclines Rob Thompson rather to get a guy like Marsh in the game. But just the fact that you gave them an out, like when you had them on the ropes, like the, the Phillies had the Marlins on the ropes, and they, they it felt like the game was about to swing. I truly believed in my head and Citizens Bank Park, the great home crowd that was in, in front of a sold-out Citizens Bank Park on Tuesday night, by the way. Been a while since, I, dollar dog night aside, that a Tuesday night at Citizens Bank Park in the regular season has been a sellout. It's amazing what going to the World Series can do. But that ballpark was ready to, you know, get pretty electric there. An entire standing ballpark is going nuts, and the air is let right out of the building within seconds because Stott takes too far of a turnaround first base. That one was really, really bad. Except the Phillies had a chance to salvage it. You go back to the seventh inning, just one inning later, and this is following the top of the seventh where uh, Luis, or, or Luis Arias, who, by the way, hit for the cycle in this game, and uh, we'll get to some factoids about that uh, in just a little bit as well later in the show. Uh, he homers and makes it 5-3, but once again, the Phillies threaten in the bottom of the seventh. Again, Lazardo comes out, Dylan Floro comes in, so Brandon Marsh ends up pinch hitting for Christian Pache. He leadoff walk, the you know, the haunted leadoff walk. If you're the defense, especially for a new pitcher, you're wondering is his control all there? Trey Turner lined out, ball was hit hard. Kyle Schwarber draws a walk too. So for those of you scoring at home, again, two walks in the inning. This is Major League Baseball, where generally you would like to think that Major League Baseball players and a former All-Star like J.T. Romuto would go up with an approach in this type of situation. He goes up there, swings at the first pitch, and instead of having two on with one out, the inning ends, and you hand it right back over to the Marlins. That was basically the game right there. The Stott rounding, base running error of rounding the base too hard, and J.T. Romuto, again, when they threaten in the bottom of the seventh, Grounding into a double play when it looked like the Phillies might threaten again. These are unforced errors. That's not going up with an approach or swinging first pitch at a ball that is a pitcher's pitch, not one that you can drive or just flat out missing it. And the base running mistakes, as I mentioned, eight through 11 games. Like, what are we doing here? It, this has been Phillies baseball. It's, again, been a little bit of the brand, unfortunately, for the past couple of years. And I used to you know, put at least some blame on Joe Girardi. It seems like these guys are unprepared, and I don't know, it seems so elementary and simple, but does someone need to literally do base running practice before one of the games that a batting practice, guys? Hey, we're going to learn how to take turns around first base. We're going to learn how to pick up the third base coach when we're rounding third. We're going to learn to, you know, be aggressive on the base pass, but not dumb, not stupid. This is the type of stuff that can't happen. It's Little League stuff. And I used to have Little League coaches who would get, get on me for this type of stuff. Having an approach at the plate. I can hear every Little League coach or every even high, middle school and high school baseball coach I ever had go up there with an approach. When you're on the bases, be alert. This you know this, The fundamentals are key. The mental fundamentals of baseball are key. You will win and lose games that way. The Phillies have not had them. So that has been massively concerning, and it reared its ugly head again on Tuesday night. Now let's get to Aaron Nola, who might be the most infuriating good pitcher of all time. Like, literally ever. This guy was fourth in Cy Young voting a year ago. Fourth. He pitched, He's a workhorse. 
He'll give you 230-some innings. He'll finish with an ERA that is incredibly impressive at the end of the year. His strikeout numbers will be good. His whip will be good. Like All the numbers will look good. But when it comes to coming up in a big spot or getting through the order, getting through those last couple outs just one last time when your manager's trying to trust you, trying to trust you through 100 pitches. And I thought Thompson should have had a little bit of a quicker hook on Nola than he did. I, you know, I could be nitpicky. I don't think it would have necessarily turned the game, but it might have saved a run or so. Aaron Nola is like the most infuriating guy because you can feel it. You can feel it in the ballpark. The guy is dominant. Like he was on, you know, on Tuesday night. It was the one I was looking for there. On Tuesday night against the Marlins, allows one singular run. He's not getting any run support at all. And then the sixth inning just totally unravels. And when no one unravels harder. I've never seen a pitcher go from incredible to worse just immediately than Aaron Nola does. It's like dropping right off a cliff. It's his M.O. at this point. You know, we can sit here and debate all we want, whether he's an ace or, or he's not. I'm almost sick of debating what is and isn't an ace. He's not the ace of the Philly staff. It's Zach Wheeler. Now, I would consider Nola a very good 1B. I think people who say he's a three-starter or that Pete McCannon was right or out of their mind. Like, come on. You mean to tell me there's 60 better pitchers in Major League Baseball? Like, no. This guy is a stud. He's really, really good. But when push comes to shove and you're wondering whether he can give you that one more inning that you need to, until you can turn it over to the bullpen, can he get you to that 100-pitch mark? Can he give you six strong? The second one or two runners gets on, all hell breaks loose. And no one, and again, I mean no one, I've never, I can't remember any pitcher who drops off a cliff harder, like looks incredible through five, and in that sixth inning, third time through the order, whatever the case might be, just cannot do it. And it's infuriating. And you, you again, you can tell that Rob Thompson wants to have faith in him, wants to trust him, wants to not make him a guy who you only put out there for five innings and then you turn it over to the bullpen. That's not what aces do. It's not what one Bs or twos do. Usually that guy can get you through that last inning and you're and maybe he comes out to the ovation, maybe he gets you through six, whatever the case might be. He's someone who you feel confident giving the ball in giving the ball to every fifth day and confident in saying, hey, do you think you got one more in you? Let's go see it. That's not who Aaron Nola is. It's not who he's been early in the season. This is the second time this has happened already here and in Texas. Massive, massively frustrating. So we'll keep an eye on that throughout the course of the season. But again, that's not even new to this season. Wanted to get to Rob Thompson. Now, Rob Thompson shook up the lineup here uh, on Tuesday night. Again, a lot was made of Bryson Stott batting leadoff on Monday night against the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, Sandy Alcantara. Bryson Stott was downgraded back to the eighth hole on Tuesday night. And that was something that I thought Rob Thompson was, I mean, he didn't make it abundantly clear, but both listening to him talk pregame and postgame on Monday seemed like he alluded to the fact that he was very aware in his mind that they had a lefty in Lazardo going on Tuesday, Bryson Stott being a lefty. He does not typically like to hit Bryson Stott high in the order going against the lefty. And we know that Rob Thompson cares about lefty-righty matchups a lot. But it almost makes it seem like he's resigned to the fact that he will never bat Stott higher in the lineup on days in which a lefty is going. And to take it a step further, he hit Christian Pache instead of Brandon Marsh. Like I, I would prefer Brandon Marsh in general 
to be the everyday starter. I know Pache has had a couple of hits here uh, in, in recent memory, and, and when I say recent memory, the last couple of games that he's played in. And two of them were doubles, and he had a double in Tuesday night's game before he was pulled out for the platoon switching to where Brandon Marsh came in because they ended up going to a right-handed arm out of the bullpen. It's just frustrating that it seems like Rob Thompson's a little res- little too resigned to the fact that, nope, lefty's on the mound, Stott's not hitting higher. Righty's on the mound, nope, you're not going to see Pache. Lefty's on the mound, you're not going to see Marsh, whatever the case might be. I would like to see a little bit more, hey, let's go trust Marsh out there. He's been swinging the bat well. Let's go trust Bryson Stott higher in the lineup. It gives us 15 runs. Again, I get what he's trying to do, but I, I don't think that should automatically lefty-righty matchups, especially when making the starting lineup. Sometimes, Rob, in my opinion, the guy who does not give you the advantage in the platoon is the better option. I mean, I, I know Christian Pasha again, has had a couple of... Sh- good games here in recent memory, but I haven't seen enough to say that I'd ever rather him starting over Brandon Marsh. Like I think Brandon Marsh should be, for the most part, the everyday starting center fielder. And then again, he was asked about it on Tuesday, and it looks like they're going to go back to Stott leading off on Wednesday. So you only trust him to do it, but you only, like, you trust him to do it, but you only trust him to do it against right-handed hitters. Again, I get it. I know it's how he manages it, but it is something to keep note of. Um, and honestly, his his pregame lineups, and I know I hated Joe Girardi, but and I, I think Rob Thompson is different from Joe Girardi in a lot of senses and similar to Joe Girardi in a lot of sens- senses. One of the areas is similar is how he constructs his lineup, frankly. like This is the type of stuff that Joe Girardi would do. I think his in-game changes are different. I think he feel, has a feel for the game that's a lot different from Joe Girardi. His in-game switches... And also his ability to connect with the clubhouse, which in baseball, over the course of a 162-game season, we know is massive. But that's something to keep an eye on as well. Does Rob Thompson ever create a lineup with a little bit of feel, or is it more, or is it more so a computerized type of lineup where lefties on the mound, that means certain guys are going, righty on the mound, that means other guys are going. So keep an eye on that as well. And the last thing here that was just really, really frustrating from Tuesday night's game, and, you know, it's a bit cliche, but it's true. Like, sometimes you just have a feel for how a game's going to go. So, quick backstory. I was at the game on Tuesday night again. I was there Monday, uh, Monday night against the Marlins, and then Tuesday again against the Marlins. And I had plans to uh, go with my girlfriend on Tuesday, and she texted me on Monday, you know, while I'm sitting there at the game, not with her, like, you know, are the Phillies this good, or are the Marlins just that bad, and... I was like, listen, like, you know, the Cy Young Award winner, the best pitcher in the National League who was voted upon last year, like, regarded as the best pitcher in the National League last year, is pitching, and the Phillies just gave him nine runs and four innings, and the bats exploded. And to, and then I literally said to her, I was like, and baseball's just weird, so I'm sure tomorrow, like, the bats will go silent, like, Nola will probably pitch pretty well, and... You know, they won't give him any run support and they'll lose a frustrating game. Now, Nola did unravel. I left out the part where Nola will inevitably unravel in the sixth, and the Phillies will actually have a chance with the bats that the offense was going to keep them in the game. Again, they got 11 hits. Like, the issue hasn't been the offense. This offense is good enough, in my opinion. But when push comes to shove in certain situations, you're getting traffic on the bases and you get yourself out. Like, that's frustrating. So, 
it just made me realize that sometimes I need an outsider's perspective, someone who doesn't watch baseball maybe as analytic, analytically, I should say, uh, as I do. And she, you know, she's gotten an, a baseball fan. And she's become a bigger baseball fan, uh, you know, as a result of myself. But for someone on the outside, like conventional logic would say, yeah, the Phillies won fifteen to three. They must be they must be that much better than the Marlins to explain that this is why they play one hundred sixty two games, and on one night the Phillies could put up fifteen runs, and the next night they could put up three runs against a worse pitcher and run themselves into outs and one night they can look like the greatest team on earth and the next night they can look like a little league team who doesn't know what they're doing just reminds you that baseball is a funny thing but it's only a funny thing to an extent like the Phillies had an opportunity to win that game on Tuesday night and I'm a believer in building momentum at certain points of a season is a is an important thing you think about when Rob Thompson took over uh, as manager last year he quite literally spark-plugged uh, a, a run there, and this team goes through peaks and valleys, and that's what you're going to see through 162 games. It just seems like the Phillies had a real chance to hit a peak, hit their stride here in this homestand, and the losses, the two losses have been unforced. Again, nine walks and a couple of multiple base-running mistakes on Sunday, and then again on Tuesday, poor approach at the plate, Nola unraveling, uh, as well as some base running mistakes as well, leads to yet another loss. And if those things had been prevented against two teams, the Marlins and the Reds, who the Phillies are certainly better than, the Phillies could have found their stride here and rolled in with some, you know, on a hot streak going back to Cincinnati this weekend. Went a little long here in this first segment, but on the other side, going to get to some quick uh, nuggets about the game, about Luisa Rise's cycle and the first cycle in uh, Marlins history. So we're going to the Phillies have not had a cycle for a while. I'll tell you about that. A few other teams have not had a cycle for a while, as well as quickly preview uh, this matchup, the rubber match between the Phillies and the Marlins before they head out to Cincinnati, the final game of this six-game homestand at Citizens Bank Park. That's coming up on the other side here of Phillies Today. Of course, I am Dan Wilson. Welcome back, Phillies Today podcast. I am Dan Wilson. Uh, quick segment here uh, to end the show. Uh, really quick, so as I mentioned, Luis Arias uh, hits for the cycle uh, in on Tuesday night's game. Newly acquired Luis Arias. Uh, for the Miami Marlins this past offseason. The guy was the batting champ of the American League last year with the Twins uh, and gives us the first cycle of Major League Baseball in the year 2023 and the first cycle in Miami Marlins history. Now, they had been a team for 30 years, and finally they get their first cycle. So that ends their cycle drought uh, really quick because the Phillies are among the leaders. The longest cycle droughts in baseball. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies have not had a cycle since 2004 when David Bell did it uh, in the first year of Citizens Bank Park. Uh, 1993, the Kansas City Royals uh, last had their cycle. 1990 for the Cubs, and 1989 for the Cincinnati Reds. So I always thought hitting for the cycle was a bit of a weird thing. Kind of cool to be in the ballpark uh, for a historical event. I guess on my end, I wish the Phillies would have just won, and I can't say that anyone else seemed to really appreciate the history of seeing the first cycle in Miami Marlins history. But hitting for the cycle always a bit of a weird thing because it's like, well, you're a single away from the cycle. Should that, that mean you stop at first instead of taking the double. Like, obviously, the double's better. Uh, but it's a little cool thing that uh, happens every so often in baseball. The Phillies haven't been been able to do it uh, in 19 years here. So one day that drought's going to end. Be, will be interesting to see who indeed does it. Uh, but the Marlins finally end their drought against the Phillies. So I guess congratulations to them. Uh, really quickly previewing this matchup coming up on Wednesday. The rubber match will be Zach Wheeler against uh, Edward Cabrera. Again, Rob Thompson indicating that with another righty on the mound, they will likely go back to uh, that look you saw on Monday night 
with Bryson Stott leading off. And this is the type of game that the Phillies need to salvage the series. It's going to be massively, massively disappointing if after Monday when they drop 15 runs, uh, if they come back and lose this series, still have a chance to win four out of six on this homestand. Uh, but certainly it's going to be disappointing knowing that the two games, and I mean, we'll see what happens on Wednesday, but the two games thus far uh, that have already taken place in this homestand, very, very winnable. In the bat, you know, in one case, they had a lead for a while and just gave it up. Uh, and then again on Tuesday, it seemed like they were going to have them on the ropes and had a chance to bounce back in two different situations. Uh, and a mental error and a poor approach at the plate and swinging at a first pitch uh, that resulted in a double play uh, kind of foiled that, and as well as Aaron Nola uh, unraveling. So that will do it for today's episode of the Phillies Today podcast again here on uh, Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. One day, one more thing I should say. Uh, this day, 19 years ago, Citizens Bank Park opened up its doors with a game between the Phillies and the Cincinnati Reds for opening day. Makes me feel old. I'm now 25. I quite literally remember watching that game. Three Hall of Famers hit in the first inning of that game, Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey Jr., uh, and Jim Tomey. Uh, So that's a really cool factoid, and I can't believe that Citizens Bank Park, which is still doing renovations, adding a huge, massive scoreboard, and that thing is massive, by the way, Uh, and they keep the ballpark looking very nice and new. It still feels like a new ballpark, uh, but it is in its 20th season, so Happy 19th birthday to Citizens Bank Park, and that's how we'll end today's episode. Again, this has been the Phillies Today podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wilson. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy today's game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich, the step back three, you bet! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.